Hello, welcome to Creating Portland. I'm your host, Pearson Coons, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing progressive creators who are using their art to shape the culture of our city and beyond. I hope you enjoy this episode of Creating Portland. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Creating Portland. We have an incredible across-the-spectrum creative artist collaborator here that I am so excited to talk to. We're here today with Fran Batakis, and she is a Thai American who was born and raised in Chicago to immigrant parents and has lived in Portland since 2004. She opened up Seizure Palace, a screen printing shop with her husband, Nick, in 2007. And then in 2019, she founded Jupe Jupe, which is a radical creative agency specializing in film, video, photos, events, casting, and consultation that uplifts underrepresented multidisciplinary creatives. Her network in Portland reaches the film, TV, fashion, music, events, design, and culinary industries and aims to connect these creatives to each other. You sound like the perfect guest for our show. We're so excited to have you. Fran, welcome to Creating Portland. Thank you. Thanks so much. This is like really exciting. This is the second podcast I've ever been asked to do. So thank you so much for inviting me. We are just honored to have you. Oh my goodness. Um, Yes, I've been following you since about this summer when things were sort of blowing up on Instagram with the movement and everything. And I'm just fangirling at this point. I'm so excited to chat with you in person. But let's get right into it. The question, the big sort of broad, vague question is how are you, Fran, creating Portland? And it can be as vague as you want or as specific as you want, but it sounds like you got a lot going on. So let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've always known that I was a creative person since I was, you know, young and didn't really know how to channel that, right? Like I mm. like was like, I love to draw. I want to be in a band. I love fashion. Like I just loved everything but I never really had a mentor and never had anybody that was like, follow me down this road. Mm. So the way that I learned how to kind of dabble in all the things, I think um, if I'm right, the Gemini rising helps that part a little bit, um, <laughs> but was to try a little bit of everything, you know, and mm. kind of just like dip my toes in, see if that feels good. I also realized that I kind of get bored quickly. <laughs> so I, <laughs> you know, love to keep moving. And I think one thing that I kind of forget sometimes that I've accomplished so much in such a short amount of time, especially just starting with Juke Juke, but that, you know, I'm on to the next thing already, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm juggling eight projects at one time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I work. But, you know, being a creative person in Portland and creating a creative space in Portland is um, just really special. I think like, especially in the last five or six years connecting with more BIPOC creatives in Portland and all of a sudden realizing because I was dipping my toes in all these spaces that I could start connecting people together. And that was really cool and really interesting. Like someone's like, oh, I'm looking for this kind of a makeup artist. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that person or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. And so by doing that over such a long period of time, getting to the point where I started Jupe Jupe, then it was like, oh, wait, I can put all these people together in my own projects? Mm. Okay, that sounds cool. And so, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, I just like 
I really do just get inspired by all the amazing creatives that I know. And they all are multidisciplinary, you know, they all do so many things. And I don't know if that's like a symptom of like what and how I kind of brought up was brought up, you know, Mm -hmm. where like nobody really was showing me the way. So I was trying everything or if like kind of with the younger generation, it's like everybody has access to like to so much more technology and tools. Mm. So people can be more than just one thing. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'm not really sure what the answer is, but yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that is sort of the exciting thing to watch all these people do so many things and be involved in so many things and have, you're right, it's totally about access now, which feels so different than previous generations where they really had to specialize to get to a certain level in their field. Um, and yeah, then totally. you talk about your your personal projects. So bringing all these people together for your personal projects, what kind of things are you working on or what is what does that side of Jupe Jupe look like? Well, you know, to be honest, I, because I didn't have like a formal education, like going to film school or going to design school, I actually went to culinary school and I thought I was smarter than everyone else. Cause I was like, I'm going to go to trade school. Bah. Like, you know, <laughs> I thought like, you guys are all going to be like take, getting your degrees in philosophy and like figure that mm-hmm. one out for yourselves later, you know? But anyway, I don't, I don't work in the um, culinary industry um, as a chef anymore, but um, I think like, when I started Jupe Jupe, it was because I wasn't able myself to find a space that I could work in or find a space where people would hire me because mm. I didn't have that resume, right? Like I opened a screen printing shop. So like legit, my resume looks like I own a screen printing shop for 12 years. Thank you. That's <laughs> it. You know? So it's like, <laughs> who, who's going to hire me yeah. for? Yeah. So you know, when I started trying to find jobs in different uh, creative spaces, whether it was a film and TV or whether it was um, at a creative agency, I really was struggling. And it's also like, I'm also not like, you know, exactly a spring chicken either. So that's the <laughs> other thing, you know, like I'm 42 years old now and I just haven't had the 20 years under my belt mm. like a lot of my friends do that went to film school straight out of high school or whatever that looks like. Um, so after kind of a, you know a couple of years of trying to navigate that space and figure that out i had so many rad creative friends that were working on their own projects like making music videos or making shorts and like hey like can i help out or like you know so sometimes it would just be me showing up and doing crafty right. um or me just showing up and being a production assistant or just helping out in any way that i could and then i was like oh i really like i really like this <laughs> and then you know in 2019 i had spent like a couple years before that sort of beginning to wean myself out of working at seizure palace because that also was like a mom and pop business right in the sense that i was running it with my husband mm-hmm. um and screen printing is like his passion and i was happy to be there to like be the you know business person and 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 you know be the office manager and all those kinds of things but i realized like you know i really want to lean into my creativity and how do i figure out how to do that and so after getting kind of rejected quite a bit um, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like being rejected a bunch of times for you to kind of like catch fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of how I am. I'm like, oh, you want to tell me no? I'm coming <laughs> no, I'm in hot, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I started Jupe Jupe and uh, Jupe Jupe actually just means kiss, kiss and tie. Oh. And I thought it was a really cute way to, for another Thai person to immediately identify that I was a Thai person. And it's kind of fun mm. to say too. Um 
But yeah, so I started Jupe Jupe and uh, right off the bat was approached um, by my friend Pam, who owns Francis May. So it's like really lovely boutique clothing store downtown Portland. And funny enough, uh, herself and a bunch of other small business um, owners in Portland, we all kind of started our businesses at the same time. So I'm talking about Seizure Palace. So back in like mm. 2007, 2008, there was like this whole group of us that were like in our like mid to late 20s that were all just opening up our own thing. Tattoo shops, clothing stores, like screen printing shop, like whatever. And so we had known each other for a long time and she hired me to do a photo shoot uh, for Francis Ooh. May. And so that was like my first paid job. And so I pulled the whole entire cast and crew together and I believe 10 out of 14 people on the crew identify as BIPOC. And that was something that I had never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just like hired all my friends to help, you know, pull the photo shoot together. And it was a really amazing experience. So yeah, just, um, you know, trying to just not being able to find space that I could fit into. I like also feel like I don't really fit into a lot of boxes very neatly mm. either, which I think that a lot of people identify that way. But it's it's hard because even if I would go to a creative agency and, and have an interview or want to get a job, I would just start, you know, being myself. And I didn't know, like, how you're supposed to speak and how you're supposed to move in those spaces. <laughs> so I'm just like, me, blah, 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 like, you know, just talking. And then I'm like, oh, I think people are really excited about who I am and what I do. But I think nobody knows what to do with me. Mm. So yeah, that's kind of why I started Jupe Jupe. Yes. Which is so exciting. And I think the goal then, of course, is to have a space where you can just be you in all of your quirks and all of your awesomeness in those other spaces. But I just, I love this spirit of yours to just start your own thing, make it what it is, use this kind of language to identify other creators um, that you want to work with. And then so, okay, and you kind of got into it here, but I think creative agency feels very vague can you talk about kind of what that means for you and maybe even like broader i just think it's such an exciting possibility like so much possibility is in there when i hear it but what does it mean for you yeah i actually struggled with the name you know or not the name but like what i was going to call what i was doing Mm -hmm. at first it was like maybe it's a creative studio because that felt smaller and felt more intimate but then I was like I don't know if I'm gonna do this I might as well go big right so then I kind of toyed around with calling it creative agency I didn't really like the word agency so much just in the sense of like what I had experienced you know Mm -hmm. trying to be in those spaces um but I just figured you know what like I guess in some ways you know you have to just start to kind of use some of the language that already exists so people can very easily kind of identify and figure out what it is that I do but hilariously enough, I felt like the, for the first year I was doing Jupe Jupe that I was kind of having a little bit of an identity crisis because I could do so many things. Mm. And people were like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know, music videos, photo shoots, commercials, mm-hmm. short films, live events, what, like anything, everything, you know? And they're like, okay, you know? And then people started saying, well, you know, you're kind of the plug for like all the BIPOC creatives and all the marginalized creatives in town so like why don't you become like a casting agency or something and i thought Mm. well that sounds kind of cool too then i was like i don't know i don't i'd rather be more creative and i didn't want to get bogged down with like contracts and people's schedules and Mm. that kind of thing you know and then people had said like what about talent management same kind of a thing 
I just was like, you know, not really, I didn't want to get bogged down in the business side of things, even though I know that with any creative endeavor, you know, having that business knowledge is obviously very helpful. And I think a lot of creative people um, maybe don't always have that side Mm -hmm. of things, like don't really know how to manage money and contracts and having those conversations. And because I had owned Seizure Palace for 12 years with my husband, it's still open, um, but I had practice, you know, and I could kind of do some of those things. So I kind of just tried to say, well, you know, I do want to kind of focus on being a creative person. Um, And so, yeah, I kind of, I don't know. It is like the word creative agency out in the world has a certain context and it's kind of loaded for folks who have been a part of that industry. They kind of know what it means and they kind Mm. of know what it's involved. And it doesn't always sound as cool as it is, you know, Mm. like it's like, long hours being worked to the bone you know it's all those things up it's like a lot of the environments that those agencies um create are not exactly the kind of environments that i would feel safe or want to work in you know um so in one ways i'm kind of just using that word creative agency or that title of the business to kind of just like have it be really easily identifiable to people Mm -hmm. um but really it's so much more and so i don't know one day i feel like I'll be able to figure out like maybe what the correct combination of words are that will really kind of embody what it is that I'm doing. Um, But it's still kind of an ongoing process and it'll eventually, you know, I'll figure it out. But it's like, you know, back in the 50s, nobody knew what LGBTQ was, you know, and now it's like a household, you know, people say it like in their homes every day. And now we have LGBTQIA2 spirit plus, you know, (laughs) so language is always changing. It's always evolving. And Um, I think that eventually I'll really be able to kind of nail what it is. But what I did do was add the word radical in front of it. And that Mm -hmm. kind of helped me solidify really what it was in a nice little package. Yeah, kind of like reclaiming this sort of toxic space of agency and making it your own and making it radical, which is so exciting. And that's so much of what I'm hearing in your philosophy is this idea of removing limitations. And you're coming up against all of these limitations as you're trying to work within the system. And then you're saying, let's just leave the system and make our own thing that has less limitations, that has more access, which is so exciting and exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, let's get into it then on a broader scale beyond just Jupe Jupe, Portland as a whole. And it sounds like you've experienced the good, the bad, the progressive, the not so progressive. What about Portland art is really working right now? What is exciting and innovative and working? And then what about it do we need to work on? Do we need to improve on and fix? Yeah, that's a really good question. Gosh, you know, I would say, like, before I moved to Portland, I lived in Florida. I lived in Orlando, Florida, which is like, no, like, it is just like, I did not enjoy living there the whole time I lived there. Um, But I will say, um, any kind of underground scenes, any kind of underground creative movements that were there um, were... Were, were I was a part of those mm-hmm. like those little moments and it's kind of like that thing where like you know when I was like 17 or 18 and I would like be standing downtown on a street corner and I would see someone across the street wearing like a black flag shirt I'd be like run across the street hey like you like that band I like that band let's be friends you know yeah. and hilariously enough I actually have like 
kind of a handful of friends I convinced to move to Portland eventually. From like, Orlando? From from what I went to high, like I went to high school mm-hmm. with them. Um, so, you know, it was kind of like I moved here because I just saw, I don't know, it was like I came here and it's like I saw other people that looked like me or more like me, right? So mm. like with maybe like their style or just like their creative vibe, people are like artists and musicians and creators and creatives and I kind of just felt like I was a little bit more in tune with that part of it. Mm. What is kind of interesting and funny was that as I kept living here and the longer that I lived here, um, I kind of, I mean, it's not like I didn't notice it right away, but I was like, oh, wow, like Portland is really, really, really white. Mm-hmm. And I realized kind of, you know, over a span of five years, like right in the middle of like how long I've lived here, I was like, oh my gosh, like I actually don't really know or have a community of other BIPOC creatives, like in the way that I used to when I lived in Orlando. Mm. Um, And so I, I don't know. I feel like what works is that, especially like in 2017 and 2018, you know, just shortly after 45 had gotten elected, mm-hmm. we all really, like, <clears throat> needed to come together and, like, really think about what our communities could look like and how we could support each other. And I think that during those years, like, 2017 to, like, 2018, 2019, I felt like <clears throat> there was this really, really, like, amazing tight-knit community of BIPOC and queer women, non-binary creatives that were like just making it work, Mm -hmm. doing photo shoots. You know, there's like, you know, House of Ada, House of Flora, you know, this the whole ballroom and Vogue scene was blowing up at that time. And I was really involved in that community and helping to produce events and like really just creating these amazing relationships. Um, You know, we used to do these really amazing underground parties and you know just like so fun you know we were just having a really good time and I realized that oh I was able to kind of like use my privilege and provide a space for folks to be able to come together and Mm -hmm. really be themselves and then it kind of made me think and want to fight for like the idea that like my friends couldn't be out on the street fully as themselves 110 Mm percent without being hurt or harassed or whatever that looked like so that really was kind of the seed and the plant of, you know, really coming towards Jupe Jupe. And I think, you know, after the summer and being out on the street every single night, you know, it's really tough. And, you know, I've been a community organizer and activist for, you know, over 20 years, too. And that's like kind of the other side of like what I do. Mm-hmm. So like not only is Jupe Jupe like a radical creative agency, but everything I do has like a social justice framework to it. Um, so that's kind of the other piece. And that is just from, you know, ex- experiencing life in that way and just really living it and breathing it for such a long time um, is that, you know, after the summer, like, I'll admit, like, I am burnt out, you know, yeah. like, it. W- I was going hard all summer long. Um, and it's taken me, you know, since mid-September, like, I quit social media pretty much. You know, I've kind of just kept it quiet. I think the last thing I posted was your podcast that you did with Betty oh. <laughs> was the last thing that I posted, you know, but I've just been like quiet on that space because I realized yeah. that like, you know, a lot of what I saw going on this summer was really amazing and really revolutionary and really powerful. But I also saw, I don't know, it's hard to say. It's kind of hard to talk about a little bit. It's like, 
I just saw a lot of like, you know, a grab for social clout, social mm. climbing, using this moment that really should be not a moment, but something that we've all been considering and thinking about every day. You know, not, you know, Black uh, Black History Month shouldn't just be in February, right? Like, we should be thinking about these things all year round, right? So I just kind of saw this a little bit of an ugly side to, mm-hmm. like, what social media can do to a movement. But I also acknowledge um, that it can be used for good. And I've met so many amazing people through there. And, like, you know, to be honest, it's like, I you know, you can choose and see what you look on, you know, what, you, what you're looking at on Instagram. Um, and, you know, I loved, like at a moment when I first had, you know, I think it's like been around for like 10 years, maybe a little bit more now, but I remember at one point it was like, Oh my gosh, there's like these amazing, beautiful brown and black, like fat models on here. Like, Oh my God. Like, I just was like, I just Mm -hmm. got to see all these things that I had never seen before. So I don't know. I think it can be good in some ways, but I think a little bit, like, I think Portland is like this small town trying to flex like a big city Mm -hmm. sometimes. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like also, you know, one of the biggest symptoms of capitalism is like rushing and like trying to get things done and just like not really being thoughtful and having intention, you know, the idea of like slowing down. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not something that any of us really know how to do. And so I think with COVID and the quarantine, it kind of put a heavy hand on trying to navigate what that looks like. And I went from being on the street every single night and going so hard to then not doing anything at all, like almost immediately. And that was like such a hard transition mm-hmm. um, to just like not know what to do with myself. And also like going out on the street every night, it kind of feels like a drug, you know, it's like adrenaline every night, Yeah. you know? And so I had to like wean myself off of that, you know? And now six months later, five months later, I'm like, you know, I don't know. Do I... I don't even know if I want to leave my house now. You know, I like I've kind of come back, back mm-hmm. completely like 360. Like I feel home. I feel cozy. I feel like it's safe in here. And like, I don't know. So I feel like the good and the bad, I think that <clears throat> we'll all get to a place, I think, hopefully in 2022, maybe like, because I kind of feel 2021 is like a little bit canceled. Already, yeah, kind of. absolutely. I agree. <laughs> you know, and it's like until everybody gets vaccinated, it's like, we're still just in this really precarious spot. So I kind of feel like I love the idea of 2021 being like the year slowdown, like the year break Mm -hmm. just for everyone to kind of recalibrate a little bit, you know, stick their hands in the dirt, grow your food, bake your bread, do whatever you're doing. But I really do love living in real life a little bit more than on social media so much. Like I had been so many years before, you know, and what do you hope that in this pause time, in this sort of slowdown, how would you hope artists are using this? Or how do you hope Creative Portland is using this time? I mean, honestly, I think it's just like, if you have the privilege of resting, mm-hmm. like just resting as much as possible, just trying to take care of yourself. I know it's hard. You know, I think that there's like this thing where like, I feel incredibly isolated, like so many people do. I'm such a people person and I live and thrive on community. Yes. And it's like, I'm finding myself kind of battling like, Oh, I don't know. I don't really want to reach out to that person. Cause they're probably going through so much and I don't want to bother them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're just 
a little bit cutting ourselves off from each other. But I do notice that when I make an effort and like try to just say hi or just send like one heart emoji to someone, it kind of reengages the conversation. But I just think like, I think right now, especially with what I'm doing, because right now it's like I'm not doing, you know, I'm not really doing photo shoots. I'm not really doing that work. And so I'm kind of using this time right now to take advantage of um, all the boards that I'm on and Mm. trying to figure out ways to like change the systems from within to and kind of trying to like build a better foundation for maybe the younger creatives coming up behind me. And so everything that I'm doing now is a little bit on a slow burn kind of vibe. You know, I mean, it is a lot of work and I do put in quite a few hours volunteering every single week. Um, But I do feel like if everyone can just like, I mean, I don't think any in any other time in our lives, like, I don't know when we would be able to do this. Right. Like, chill. Like Especially this. as creatives. Like, I can go to bed like at to four create. in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go to bed at four in the morning and I can wake up kind of whenever I want. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's nice to like go to bed when I feel like it and yeah. wake up when I feel like it. Like that yeah. in itself is like a complete luxury and privilege. So I just kind of hope that a lot of the creatives in this town, at least like maybe, you know, just right now, just focus on kind of like taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And exploring what it's like to not constantly be creating. I think there's this mentality and it's probably rooted in capitalism. Like you're saying, of like you have to keep making more, 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 and nothing is ever enough. So to have this time to just not make things, which I mean, is honestly something I need to reflect on too. I made a damn podcast in the middle of a pandemic. But it's also like, yeah, we need to stop for a little bit and like have these reflection times. And I also love what you're saying too about attacking it from a policy level and attacking it from these sort of reflections that we have time to do. I think a lot of these policies we're just working within because we want to create things. So we're just letting them continue to exist in a way that is harmful and continue to exist in a way that doesn't actually serve us as artists. So now's a great time to pause and check those out make sure they're actually serving us yeah you know and that work is not that exciting you know um but it's 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 really important you know and i kind of have really at least in the last you know year or so really understood because you know again like i'm all about like smashing the system you know like if you ask me truthfully like i'm kind of an abolitionist you know what i mean like i don't want to work within any systems you know but I don't know. It's a hard one. I think about that all the time. And I'm just like, do my own thing or try to change it from within the system. Do my own thing. You know, it's like it's just this constant back and forth. But um, but yeah, I think that right now is a really good time to kind of reflect on the systems that we're all working in. Find out like what our, where our privileges lie and kind of see if we can make change, you know, in those spaces. Um, it's not easy, but yeah, it's it's definitely important. So, yeah. <sighs> Yes, so inspiring to hear that. And such an important reflection as well. Um, Okay, so our last question is just what is your hope for Portland art and Portland creation? What's the dream for maybe a post-pandemic world creatively? This is an easy answer for me. Oh, good. Mm. All right, this is what I want. I'm going to put it out there to you in the world. I really would love to see all the different agencies in town, Nike, Adidas, you know, all these companies say, hey, 
you know, we all want to walk into our DEI work, which is diversity, equity, inclusion work. Um, it's a long process. We have to start somewhere. What I see is like a lot of the stuff that's happening is a little bit performative, but mm -hmm. we all, again, have to start somewhere. What I would really love to see is the companies coming together, pulling a fund together, and let's just say this is what I would love for it to look like. Okay. So let's say like each of them, I don't know how much this would cost, each donate, you know, a million dollars, let's just say, get me a warehouse, pay my salary, give me insurance, Yes. Get, let me have an incubator where I can like have all the gear that I need to make, let's say, you know, two feature films, 10 short films, 20 music videos, 30 yes. photo shoots, yes. whatever that looks like over the next five to 10 years with mentorship and support and access and networks and all the things that I need. And then that means that you all have actively been investing in this particular community. And then at the end of that five or 10 years, we will all be ready to work <gasps> and get paid, right? Yes. From, from all these places. They, they want us so bad, right? Mm -hmm. And they like... But what are you doing to get there? Like, how are you providing for us? How are you like putting back into that community? So I feel like that is like kind of a very huge lofty goal, but I kind of feel like it kind of makes sense to me. Totally. Just like invest in the people that you want to hire eventually. Like, how do you think any of us are going to learn how to be videographers or editors mm -hmm. or creative directors or art directors or stylists or any of these, um, you know, hundreds of jobs like without doing it letting us figure out how that looks like you yeah. know what that looks like for us so i really feel like yeah being able to have those um companies invest in a creative incubator for mm -hmm. me is like kind of a dream oh i just got chills i'm like yes <laughs> i need that tomorrow i need that space that would be uh just a dream come true and I like to, I, th I, I am imagining and I'm loving <laughs> I'm. I like to how you bring up like this tying between this commercial creative and then this more artistic creative of like feature films, short films, music, and like how those worlds need to coexist and sort of the future of that being together, like a fostering creative arts in these film industries and things so that they can support your more capitalistic creative agencies as well and like tie it all in uh you are you are speaking yeah. right to my soul fran well thank you so mm -hmm. much for being here this was fantastic yeah. um yeah, where thank you can, so much for having me absolutely and where can people find you online online you can find me at my website which is uh, jupejupecreative.com so that's spelled j-o-o-p j-o-o-p creative.com and i do have instagram and that is at jupejupe.creative um i'm not active on it at the moment but i do go on there just like once every week or two just to see if anybody has slid into my dms as nice. you young folks like to say <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's it pretty much. Okay, cool. And we'll make sure to link both of those in the episode description. Thanks again for being here, Fran. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Creating Portland with me, Pearson Coons. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CreatingPDX or on our website, CreatingPDX.com. This podcast was brought to you by Wolf and Thunder Productions and Golden Pride Productions. See you next time. Bye!